Oh, hey, you made it. We weren't sure anyone was able to get the broadcast. We found this huge vault full of cool things from before the event. Yeah, do you want to come check it out? Ladies and gentlemen, Don't Go Outside episode 7 is in is the uh, Painting My Nails Emoji Awareness episode. Yeah, uh, we're all painting our nails in support of the Painting My Nails Emoji here in the vault. Um, Scarlet doesn't have any hands, but you can bet she's doing her bit for the uh, for the cause. She's, uh, she's set up a little bring and buy stall at the door of the vault. People are dropping off all kinds of things. It's a really good vibe. It's, it's really nice. There's... Uh... It's mutants with nice paint. It's trolls. They, uh, trolls are paint. Uh, the trolls have tro- come out of the woodwork. They quite were, literally. I know. Just grew out of it, actually. Yeah. They just love nail painting. They love painting their nails. We're all painting our nails here at the vault. So uh, I hope good. you're doing a bit. Of so even if you can't make it out to the vault, if you could uh, send star emoji, star emoji, paint and nails, paint and nails, hundred percent, hundred percent, praise hands, praise hands to 0800 Vault Awareness Painting Nails slash don't go outside at hotmail.gmail at 800. At paintmynails.com. What, WhatsApp. Okay, so I've got a text. <coughs> I've got a text here from a young man called uh, David Trent. Mm. And uh, he says uh, his first memory of the painting My Nails emoji was when his uh, mother accidentally pressed it and sent it to him in a text. <laughs> oh, I'm sure oh. we've all had times like that. Trent, too. mate. We've all been there. We've all, all been, been there, there, man. Oh, good times. Um, so, yeah, uh, the Praise Hands episode. Not Praise Hands. Uh, pin- no, praise, praise, hands praise Hands gets enough. Praise Hands, time. I feel Praise Hands has had enough focus. Um, I, feel, I, I hear uh, Bob Geldof is working on his second charity album for the Praise Hands emoji. Yeah. Uh, but we're here to look at the little guy. The, the little hero doing the work out there on the front lines for all of us. Painting my nails emoji. This one goes out for you. This is Wham with a Careless Whisper. Never paint my nails again. Oh, Guilty need. fingers have no varnish. <laughs> Hello. Hi. I mean, you've probably been listening to a little bit of this already. Um, uh, no, it, it's legitimately starting now. It's legitimately starting. So sit down. You can uh, start paying attention again. We're ready to talk about the things we've done and seen and looked at and heard and uh, thought and smelled and felt and and uh, done. Then do a main topic. This week. And That's... we'll do a main topic on episode 7 of the Don't Go Outside podcast starring Patch and Robin, the vault-dwelling uh, heroes. Very professional start. Thanks, Robin. It was professional. I'm a professional. Good work. I get paid for this, and um, I don't get paid for this. No, we don't. Now announcing <laughs> the Don't Go Outside podcast Patreon page, where you can pay <laughs> one penny a week in order to fund our funds. Um, we're also doing a Kickstarter for uh, Vault Doors. I am that will be released in twenty one hundreds. It's a we, Kickstarter for three hundred thousand pounds. We got paint nails emoji and Scarlet Bob Hansen <laughs> t-shirts on sale. Go to my Reddit page. Don't go outside slash r slash uh, 
paint nails emoji is the best. Um, I think the paint nails hand emoji should become the official emoji of Don't Go Outside. <laughs> Maybe. Show our solidarity. Show our solidarity. For that poor um, crack addicted emoji. We should definitely get Scarlet Mob Hanson t-shirts. Any budding artists out there who want to design us a t-shirt, well, I mean, please do that. And then we'll give you a proceed. We'll give you a cut. Yeah, we'll give you one of our cans of booze <laughs> from each episode we do. We'll save it. We'll hang on to it. One of us will go without beer for an episode. Um, and the episode will be worse because of that. Substantially worse. Yeah, so thanks for that, mate. Ruining our podcast with your stanking ass t-shirts. <laughs> right. Let's get this show on the road, What have we, we done this week, Robin? I can't wait to hear. I'm captivated. I was thinking about starting a new segment. Go for it. The stationery cupboard. Oh yes, the stationery cupboard. Because um, you have this new notepad I'm looking at right now. It's fairly beautiful. Um, and I, I'm a big fan of stationery. I've actually got two stationery based uh, topics. Okay. So, number one, I have this very exciting new notepad. Um, which is a combination of my favourite things, right? I actually, uh, to any stationery manufacturers who may be listening, you could create this for me and I would love you very much. Got my pants and notebooks coming this summer. <laughs> so this is... Listen. Oh, what's the GSM on that bitch? It's pretty high. It's pretty high. I think it's 600, actually. Oh, It's man. heavy paper, man. Acid-free? So, of course it's acid-free. Acid-free since 93. So this is Rhodia paper. And normally, I think it's a very popular um, type of paper in Japan, but I just saw it recently in Blackwell's. And I'm a massive fan of squared paper. Oh, look, you fold it over. The logo's right at the top. You fold it over and the logo's at the top. This is genuinely beautiful. I will set up, obviously, a link for this will be in the show notes. <laughs> the Amazon um, page. <laughs> to the Amazon page. Um, now, my specifications for good paper are what I want I mean, is... you like a grid, don't you? I like a grid. I like... Uh, graph paper is not as preferable. I like squared paper. Graph paper, generally, the squares are a bit too small. Um, but I also like it to fold at the top in a notebook style for my big pads. Yeah. Um, now, ideally, what I want as well is manila-coloured paper. Manila. Manila. It's the best paper. It's easier to look at. If you're writing for long periods of time. Okay. Massive fan. However, this has fulfilled two of the criteria by being squared and being a roll top. Now, no, I mean, it's looking pretty good so far. Uh, I'm very impressed with it so far. I've been using it for about a week now. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm very happy with it. Good, I'm glad. Um, it feels good to write on, feels good to work with. Helps helps my processes and my brain. Just, I'm very happy for you both. Um, <laughs> Maybe one day you can come on a date with me and Scarlett. I think we'll uh, have an inanimate objects double date. <laughs> I thought Scarlett wasn't inanimate. Well, I mean, she's a. I mean, I'm starting to uh, gain sanity again. Because I talked about notepads for long enough. <laughs> it was boring enough to bring you back to Sani. Um, I was like, whoa, 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 where are we? <laughs> um, okay, second stationary based. Uh, Topic, um, point. Um, yeah. I I recently had a bicycle crash. Okay. Uh, quite a big one. I um, mean, it's probably because you were trying to use your bicycle as stationary. I don't true. Know if you were trying um, to write a letter with a bicycle. This has this this does have a stationary base point. Okay. Um, and Did you have a pencil in your chest pocket. I had a pen. I had a Parker pen. This very Parker pen I'm using right now. Uh huh. Um, in my pocket, and it was just straddling across my phone. 
Right. And so I came off my, my bicycle going very fast down a hill round a, round a roundabout. Oh, yes. Fully wiped out and like skiddy about six metres across the, uh, the tarmac. Crikey. Uh, yeah, it was really bad. Um, I was in a lot of pain. But no damage to the bike, thankfully. Quite a lot of damage to the clothes. Luckily for you, you had a pen in your pocket. No, but the pen. All the damage. Serious. It hit, the full on where I got hit was the pen first. Really? The pen took the hit, got a wee dent in it, and my phone was absolutely fine. Oh yeah, you can see the dent here. It's it's, it's awesome. And I uh, I tweeted Parker Pens, and I was like, Parker Pens, thanks, mate. Your <laughs> your pen saved my phone. Really? Cheers. Yeah, and they. Is that what I said in the tweet? Yeah. What did they say? Nothing. Come on, Parker Pens. And yeah, I mean... Oh, Your pen saved the man's life. Well, no. It saved, There's a dent in saved, it where the bullet the hit. <laughs> saved the man's phone. I'm going to put this on eBay when you die. Oh, it could be uh, the, the Robin Sheriff pen, and they could make reproductions that have the same dent. Yeah, you'll be able to tell, though, because the, you can see the chisel marks from where the dent was. Yeah. Um, artificially introduced. Artificially introduced. People will be uh, going in at tombs. Looking for that, looking for that hidden pen. Indiana Jones and the uh, Robin Sheriff pen. And the Robin Sheriff pen debacle. <laughs> the worst Indiana Jones ever. Possibly even the worst Tomb Raider game ever. Probably worse than the Tomb Raider game I played this week. That was a uh, that, that. You know what? That wasn't even a segue mutant. That was just... That was just, just... Smooth. See that professionalism I was talking about earlier? Mm. Spec. Loving your Spec. work. I say worse than the latest Tomb Raider game I played. The Tomb Raider game I played is mm-hmm. very good. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, the Tomb Raider series is going through a little bit of a, rena- a renaissance. A renaissance. Yeah, I would say so. I would agree with that. Uh, Tomb Raider, just a couple years ago, came out Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was very good. I very much enjoyed it. Uh, the return of Lara Croft, back to basics. Well, not back to basics. It was a reboot. Back of her to story. Basics. She was uh, drinking pumpkin, pumpkin spiced lattes. She was uh, wearing wearing Uggs. She was like a little preppy student, Lara <laughs> Croft, which is fine. You got to see where the where, how the how the Tomb Raider gained her Tomb Raiding her stature as a Tomb Raider, mm. where she got her raiding chops. <laughs> yeah, turns out in a very violent encounter on an island, quite sort of. Oh, I'm not talking about that game. I'm talking about Rise of the Tomb Raider, Robin. Okay. Um, it's a game that came out earlier this year, maybe end of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I found on a Steam sale, so I found all my games because I'm poor. Um, yes, and it was very good. I liked uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider very much. Um, it's kind of taken it back because like Tomb Raider. Like, Do you like this one more or less than the the previous ones in the sort of new? It's, it's better. Yeah. So far, there's been two. <laughs> They're getting better. Uh, which is nice, which is unusual for a Tomb Raider game, because usually there'll be a good one, followed by two or three not-so-good ones. But Rise of the Tomb Raider, I feel, is very good. Um, it was kind of more actual, like, raiding of tombs. Well, I think that's what a lot of the criticism aimed at the one, the reboot was that it was it was all story driven there wasn't much puzzle there was lots of action there was lots of fighting but it wasn't much you know lara croft in a the bottom of a temple somewhere pulling out blocks and fixing stuff to try and get through to progress the puzzle well they brought it back baby yeah and i'm very happy uh, that to me that is the uh i think to everyone that is like the essence of tomb raider just uh you're alone there's no one around you're stuck in this little chamber 
you know, got to twist some things around, got to solve the puzzle, make the giant thingamajig move right. in a way so that you can hop out, get out the top. Um, yeah, again, she's in a very dire situation. She hurts a lot in this game. So it makes you feel sort of like, oh no. God, she hurts a, she hurts a lot. A lot. Well, I mean, in the last two, the last Sucks, game as well. man. <laughs> yes, she's not having a good time. This no. one, she was on like a horrible island in the Pacific uh, where just crazy people were trying to kill her constantly. She was falling down old rusty ships, getting tetanus and bleeding everywhere and breaking yeah. her ribs. It was horrible. This one, she's in Siberia in an old abandoned gulag and she's very cold all the time. Uh, there's crazy uh, cultists who are looking to find the source of eternal life, like they all are nowadays. Everyone wants eternal life. No. Um, no one's just looking for, you know... The staff of Ragugaba. What's it do? Don't know. It's just a little cool trinket. <laughs> there's a lot of cool things like this, little side missions. A lot of the tombs are like just optional things because it's like a, they've added a sort of semi-open world element to it. So you'll have like a little base hub from your camp and you can explore to move on to the next part of the story or you can just like run around you can find little hidden tombs uh they're very good that that to me that kind of takes it back to the to the base of tomb raider uh there's still like quite a lot of like cover based shooting like the shooting is good like you use a bow and arrow quite a lot which is which is quite satisfying to get killed with the bow uh you can upgrade all your stuff i think it focuses i think a lot of games focus a lot too much on rpg elements now Mm-hmm. Which I kind of wish it was just sort of like, oh, here's your gun, off you go. You don't have to, like, uh, enhance it in any way. Um, also, there's, like, this weird hair physics thing that uh, the creators of the game are obsessed with. Where it's like, our hair physics on Lara are the best hair physics in the entire world of gaming. Well, this is a series that once got an open... A, like, it was a two-page spread in Playboy, as I remember, showing off the fact that they could render Lara's tits. Was this back in the 90s? Yeah, this was in the 90s. Where she had big pointy numbers. <laughs> no, well, they did a, they did a, like a, a CG render for the, the spread, like deliberately, but they also did within the games, like our boobs got bigger throughout them. Yeah, um, crazy. So, I mean, she's probably hiding all the treasures in her in her bra as she finds. It's not her well, boobs Yeah, she's bigger. a practical kind of lady, yeah. so... Yeah. Just... Take a bra that's too big with you on your adventures. Just fill it up with loot. Put all the gold in there. That's why they call me Golden Tits. <laughs> no one calls her that. No one. No one's called Lara um, Croft Golden Tits. <laughs> but you will now. Oh, I'll never forget it. And she'll probably shoot you in the face with a poison bow. An Fair arrow. Enough. Not you can't shoot with a bow. It's the arrow that kills you. I don't know. If you put it in a big enough cannon. You probably hit it over the head hard enough. Anyways, Segway Mutants here causing all kinds of chaos. Um, I kind of want, so basically we've established though that this is Rise of the Tomb Raider. She's gotten herself together. She knows what she's doing. She's found some crazy object that makes people come back to life. There's soldiers of the undead. It's crazy. I want the next game to be, you know, she's out confidently raiding tombs. She's like, I know this thing's out there. I'm going to go fucking get it. And, um... You know, maybe she's not in so much pain in the next one because you always feel a bit like, oh, Lara. Oh, shit, mate. You all right? You want, a, <laughs> you want a cup of tea? Come on, take a sit down. I want her to kind of just like, maybe on like a, in like the desert or on like a sort of uh, tropical pirate island somewhere. She's going around like looting ships, finding gold. And then sometimes like 
people will try and stop her and she has to like escape mm. maybe not so much cover based shooting actually just running away from people would be quite interesting yeah well there's a lot of running away in the earlier games as I remember because there was a lot of stuff you were faced with where, oh this is a big thing you can't kill a big dinosaur yeah like the T-Rex segment that's one of the ones you're Tomb Raider 2 Tomb Raider 2 I think you're immediately faced with like oh here's a huge dinosaur that you are completely ill-equipped to kill you just yeah. have to run away so I think some running would be good um yeah. Yeah, and they've they've toned what I quite liked what they did here. They um they uh dialed back on the on like the shocking like death sequences that you would get in the oh, other. There was a lot of that. It was torture porn on it. Well, almost. yeah, well that's that was my problem. Like at first you see it was like whoa, like she'd be falling down like a waterfall, and you'd have to avoid bits of uh scrap metal from like crashed planes and ships. And if you hit one, like a big bar would go through her head. And she'd like, oh god, I'm dying. I'm like, that is really rough, dude. What a Fucking death. Fucking hell. But, but that happened all the time. And this one, uh, I only encountered that twice. Yeah. And like, I died quite a lot because I was playing on like a hard setting. Oh, you should keep, the thing is about these deaths, like you don't want to, you don't want to overexpose people to them for a lot of reasons. One, it like, it wrecks the sort of narrative suspense you could build by showing them. Yeah. But also, I don't think normalizing people to brutal deaths of uh, like accurately modeled humans is a good thing. Yeah, no, that's why I liked it that it was just it, it just happened every once in a while. You're like you, I, I, there was one part again. I'd fallen in like I was trying to solve a puzzle. I'd fallen in like this pool of water, but it was like leading towards a waterfall. And I was like, oh, I'll do, it's okay, I'll swim out of it. But before I could, she just got dragged away by the current and like just smashed against a rock and oh. fell down a waterfall. I was like. Oh mate, <laughs> that's really bad. It sucks. Yeah, but like I wasn't expecting it at all. I was yeah. like, oh, I thought I could get out of this. But. It was like I saw a segment of it, and it was I, 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 it was like a supercut of like all the brutal deaths from the first one. Mm -hmm. It was just like, oh man, that gets that must get boring, really. It's like the kind of thing where you where your friends over and you're like, oh, you got the new Tomb Raider? Yeah, do you want to see some crazy shit? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kill her over and over again. It's like fucking Westworld. Uh, it's, yeah. Oh, um, are you done? Um, yeah, I think I'm done talking about Rise of the Tomb Raider. I just wanted to say it's good. Oh, oh no, cause I play. I got the uh, sort of season pass one because all the stuff's out. I got the extra bit where you get to explore Croft Manor, which she's like uh, basically like her uncle. Her uncle's trying to take it away from her. It's like you have no claim to this mansion, even though it's your dad's. So you're like exploring the mansion, and it's like a, it's like it. Tones that there's no action in it. You're just exploring this rundown mansion, and you find all these little documents from your mother and your father and their their life before they died. And it is just like a sort of visual version of like a Radio Four like radio drama. <laughs> That's lovely. It's, it's pretty cool because you just uh, see little like uh, diaries from your mother. Oh, I'm so glad Richard has found what he needs in life. I'm going to go over to Tibet and marry him on the morrow. And you're like, ah. What a lovely life her parents lived before they died horribly. <laughs> <laughs> You're just sort of like, it is sort of like late night Radio 4 drama territory. That's brilliant. And it just is like, man, Tomb Raider is so good. Like, it can be so good. Just little moments like that. Because I remember my favourite parts of the old games were like exploring the manor. Yeah, I, I think I've got my fondest memories of doing that. Yeah, just like running around. You can't even like climb stuff or jump. It's just... Like, you can climb ladders and mm. solve little puzzles, but it's, and you learn a lot about Lara's life growing up and what happened to her parents. I won't spoil anything. Oh, don't. Uh, but it's good. Uh, you uncover little secrets. So I'm looking forward again in the next game to seeing uh, Croft Manor renovated. And she, you know, she's got it all, all back on its feet. Yeah. It's had a hard time. Uh, been been not, not, not loved. 
It's been unloved. It's been in a state of disrepair. Ooh. Which makes for some fun uh, house exploration. Okay, I'm done talking about Tomb Raider. <laughs> That's okay. I just wanted to go with uh, two two things. Okay. One, more and more when people say it's got open world and RPG elements, alarm bells are going off in my head. Well, that's what I mean. Like, every game doesn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like, well, I don't of course th- it does. This isn't a major point I want to make, but it's just, I'm beginning to get that. And it's like, yeah. open world is becoming synonymous with boring to me. and Which is funny, considering the th- first games that really dragged me into gaming were open world. Were open world. Like, games like uh, Gothic... Don't know if you ever played these, no. but it's by a little little German developer. Well, I say little, pretty major at the time. Um, games developer called Piranabytes, mm-hmm. and they just made these narrow focused open world games. They were totally awesome and very German. They had this weird German sense of humor that I didn't really understand when I was like ten and playing it, <laughs> or however old I was. Look at the boy who gets his fingers cut off. Ma, ma, ma. I'm scared. <laughs> Um, and it, but it was odd because it was like a German take on an American sense of humour because okay. it was like an Americanized Western RPG. It was it was odd. It was uh, odd games. Look, but... comrade, they have the hamburger. <laughs> I not... learned my Nike trainers. Not Russian. Yeah, I know. Um, it was Cold War era. Though. But very. <laughs> yeah, there was no game developers in Cold War Russia. Tetris. <laughs> right. Shut down. <laughs> one. One. He developed the game. Fe- All right. Fair enough. But I, I and I find that funny because it was games like uh, yeah, Gothic and the Gothic series and um, like Morrowind, like fucking hell. Yeah. That game, because it was an open world, is what I found so fascinating about it. But it's almost like open world has become different in a way that I can't, I've not given enough thought to it yet. But I think I could like, if, if I was to think long enough and play older games and try and remember what it was that captivated me about open worlds, I could work out what's making them so, I don't know, boring now. Well, I think it's very easy to just make a giant sandbox and just fill it with shit to pick up Hmm. and then have just a vague story just in there. Like, the Assassin's Creed games are sort of famous for. Yeah. Like, I actually went back to Assassin's Creed 4 this week, bought that in the same Steam sale, thinking, ah, Assassin's Creed 4, I've not played that in a while. I played the crap out of it. Yeah. And then I kind of got into it, and I was like, I was really up for some pirate adventure. Um, but I sort of, as soon as I was like two hours into it, I was like, ah, it's not enough going on here. You're not in the, you're not, well, you're not in the open world soon enough. And the little bit of stuff, it just instantly starts telling you to collect things. And I don't want to do that. Well, it's Climbing like- up towers and finding little hidden gems and, I don't know, coins. And here's your secret outfit for finding the staff of Ragugo <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know when I'm thinking about it now and I, I will need to go back to it but what I liked about Morrowind and I have such a strong experience of it um, what I remember liking so strongly about it was um, I had this such a strong experience when you were dropped in you were told you were the prisoner you created your character um, then you were told you need to go off and talk to this Blades dude over in a city Mm. Uh, or a town somewhere else yeah. and then it just dropped into your diary ways you could do it and then it just was like go um, there was no f- there was fast travel but it was hub based so you could only fast travel from certain locations okay um, they were called silt striders and they were weird they were big like fleas it was really odd oh yeah um, and then 
I decided because I didn't really know how to play the game yet, and I was quite young. I I just walked, and yeah. I, I went for a nice walk in the woods in Morrowind, <laughs> nice. and it was so lovely. And there was so much stuff. I was like, oh, wonder what that is. Wonder what that is. Wonder what that is. Whereas it's like it's almost too str- such a weird thing to say. Too strongly gamified. Whereas I think one of the good things about an open world is the fact that you can get to feel lost. Yeah. The fact that all that happened in Morrowind was stuff got dropped in your diary as it would be dropped in your diary if you were playing, if you were in this world, that you could just write stuff down. Okay, yeah. Um, so be like, I found a rock today. I, I found a, a map rock. on it. Yeah, I found a rock with a map. Here's a copy of the map. Here's the rock. That's it. You don't get a quest marker. You don't get any of that shit. Oh, that's cool. Um, as I remember, I'm, apologies if I'm wrong to any massive Morrowind fans, but like, that's what I remember. And just that true feeling of like, I can walk in a direction and just be lost and then find something that I've never found before. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, you don't get that anymore so much. Anyway, I'm spitballing here. I've not really given this much thought, but we could maybe do this into an open world deconstruction segment in future. Maybe. Take down your open world and shove it in your ass. <laughs> um, second thing I want to say about your, uh, your, your chat there was you mentioned Westworld. Yeah, why did I say Westworld? Um, oh, because we were killing Lara Croft, yes. I mentioned I, Westworld. I have some Westworld follow-up. Oh, have you been re-watching it more? I've been watching more. I haven't watched it since we talked about it. Dude, it's... I've been watching, wait, I've watched, well, all of it. Up yeah, to... I mean, there must have been two or three episodes. I basically got two things to say. The one, they're building up this sort of like, almost like there's going to be a massive standoff between Thandie Newton and Anthony Hopkins' character. Oh, cool. And I'm can't bloody wait I'm so excited it's going to be amazing because they're both such because Danny Newton didn't used to be but she's become more and more um, under control of her own situation sure um, I think I saw the last thing I saw was her being like let's turn my badassness up to 26 but like, oh. <laughs> yeah. let's turn my badass up to <laughs> yeah a million let's put my hero meter all the way up to a thousand <laughs> um, yeah so it's become more and more she is dominating a room the same way that Hopkins does. Okay. Because um, you know how... Oh, so she can just walk into a place and be like, everybody stop. Well, yeah. I mean, it's... Well, no, I don't mean physically dominate a room. Right. Although she can do that as well in future episodes. Spoiler alert. That's okay. Um, I'm excited. But, like, even when she's just talking to other characters, the way she uses just seductive language and just, like, pure, unadulterated intelligence and vocabulary is um, she just dominates the space. Cool. The same way as, like, Hopkins, even though he's, like... He's an older guy. He walk he, he walks, like, quite meekly. Aye. He doesn't walk like he's a threat at all, yeah, ever. Yeah, but he's fucking he Anthony Hopkins. Sh- I know, but... He's Anthony Hopkins, but he's pre- he's pre- portraying a very, very strong character. Yeah, no, that's so what I... Yeah. I just... I cannot wait till we see the face-off of these people who are, like, can both just dominate a room. And it's... I'm so excited. It's just... High noon, they both walk into a town square okay. and they just talk at each other for 20 minutes until one of them falls down dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've had a heart attack. Oh, I'm short-circuiting. And, um, so the other thing that I had thoughts about, and this is uh, this is me slipping into sort of like philosophical chat. Okay. So if you can go to sleep if you want. No, um, sorry, I had my nap when you were talking about stationery. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically... What I thought about was, you know how they keep doing flashbacks with the robots? Uh, not with the robots, with the hosts. Yeah. Um, and the flashbacks are almost like the hosts are living those moments. Yes. So it's mentioned, and this is what made me twig, that 
their their memory isn't like human memory. No. Because human memory is fallible. I mean, we kind of understand that it's memory, right? Yeah. Yeah. But their memory isn't fallible. And this got me onto a very interesting thought that the fact is that's totally true. Now, while we have, like, if you could think about it this way, a limited form of time travel in our own minds yeah. that you can think back to a moment where, um, I, I don't know, you played Morrowind or whatever, yeah. and I can put myself in that and I can think of it, I can't really experience it. I can experience it now through the lens of the years that have passed between me and then. But, but I'm not experiencing it. Your brain changes it. Changes somehow. it and morphs it. and it's, yeah. it's So it's not the same experience, it's a new one. But if I had perfect memory and perfect recall, then I could experience it again. Uh-huh. Like, not even... I'm not saying fake experience it. I would experience the exact same thing that would happen in my brain that happened when it happened previously. So I could live in the past at the same time as living in the present. So where are you going with this? I'm going that that's... Sorry, I'm going... I'm going that that's what the hosts can exist. That's what they have the potential oh, to do. Oh, so they're living in... They can live in multiple times at once. Well, so long as it's the past. Yeah. They so, can't live in the future. And, and, and it's the way you would experience time is completely different. Because you're not experiencing time as one entity. You're experiencing time as in... You experience everything that happened from your existence up to the present in, in, in at the same time. Yes. Because you've got perfect recall. Uh-huh. Because we can only experience the present. Humans can't... We, although we have memory, it's fake. It's not real. It's made up. We sure. make it up on the spot. We, we conjure up... We use our, our, our synapse links to conjure up an idea that is simil- that is an approximation of what we've had before. Whereas if it was written down in code and it was bang on and an exact memory, you'd be experiencing the exact same thing again. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah that's true. Because I was going to say, what about people with like identic or photographic memories it's, but it's not the same it's not the same it's not the same, not the same. because even if it, you have a photographic memory the way we experience you memory, still understand that it's not happening at yeah. that moment whereas it's that wouldn't exist for them yeah unless they just put in some plot explanation they're like it exists for them that way because but that made it just made a very interesting point for me because I, I have a lot of thoughts about ai and i have a lot of thoughts about um, the future and where we're going yeah. with our relationship with uh, automation and stuff but I just think that's one of these most important things that we're going to have about AI consciousness is the fact that they're going to perceive time fundamentally different from us. And the way we perceive time is so tied up with the way we evolved to think that they're going to be so completely different from us. Yeah. I mean, their time isn't exactly limited. But their, their time doesn't exist. Time, I mean, time doesn't exist for anything, really, because it's just an all-entropic decay, but I'll not get too Brian Coxy. Um yeah, so that, that was my thought. And I thought that, and I thought, wow, I've not had that thought before. That's an intense one. That is an intense thought. Um, d- yeah. <laughs> don't quite, quite know where, what to do with that. Um, Akira follow-up? Yeah, maybe that's a follow-up. I mean, on the subject of follow-ups, uh, I went back to Luke Cage. Oh, Luke Cage follow-up. I, I gave him another chance. I was like, listen, Luke... I like you. You're a good man. I see what you're doing here. I quite like where this is going. So prove me wrong. And uh, he didn't. Oh, um, it was a good, like, I enjoyed Luke Cage. I don't know why. I think going back to it, I was like, this is, I just kind of wanted to watch it again. Yeah. Because I'm, as I said during our Doctor Strange chat, I'm a sucker for Marvel. You are? I'll just, I'll just watch it. 
just give me it. Just give me more. If there's any sense, I mean, they talk about Hammer Industries. They talk about, I think Captain America's in there at some, mentioned at some point mm-hmm. with, as a Stark. And I'm like, oh, you guys. Uh, the nurse from from all three of the other all the other two Marvel series, uh, she makes an appearance, links it all nicely together. She keeps saying, oh, I've got a lawyer friend. He's really good. I go, that's Daredevil. And then they go, what? We've got these special, aha. So we were saying, what happens when an invulnerable man is the subject of a show? Where are the stakes? The stakes are raised when you develop a certain kind of bullet that, expl- that drills in you and explodes on impact. So they've got a, a, a cage-beaten bullet. Yeah, yeah. So that's the big thing. But so why have they not filled him full of cage-killing bullets? Well, he got two of them, and then he got fixed. Um, basically, he found this out. It's, it's a long story. But he got fixed. Um, cotton mouth. This is some spoilers here. I'm gonna just recap, Robin. Yeah. Because you're not gonna watch it, are you? I'm all putting a spoiler alert though, because people love their Marvel. Spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. Whoop, whoop. Whoop. Half hour spoiler alert. <laughs> so yeah, um, cotton mouth dies. Uh, maybe a couple episodes after we left it. Mm-hmm. Uh, bigger, badder, bad guy shows up on the scene. So it has to happen. He's mental. He's crazy. He can't be stopped. Apart from he can at the end, <laughs> he gets stopped. Uh, no, it's it's enjoyable. It's good. I went, saying, I just went into it, knowing what it was. I wanted to do. F- um, have you got any other follow-up segments? Um, no, I've got two more little bits I want to talk about. But I've got an Akira follow-up segment, and we'll just do that. Cap it off when we're talking about follow-ups. It's right. quite short. Okay. Um, basically, I watched a really love. I think we've mer- I've mentioned the nerd writer on this podcast before. Yeah, last week. I'm just oh, he's so good, so, so good. Okay, cool. but he did did one on Akira, right? And I thought it would be pertinent to bring it up. Um, because we're both interested in animation, we're both interested in art, and artwork in general, and how cartoons are drawn. Yeah. Um, but he talks about how light is used in Akira. That came up on my suggested videos on YouTube. I you should watch it. So I watch it. Absolutely, yeah. but basically because it's it's cell shaded, mm-hmm. but it's also still highly regarded as one of the best animated films in all t- of all time. It's very well um, made. But it uses a lot of within the sort of videography of the, the the video. Then it shows a lot of like the little scenes where light is used really effectively. Yeah. And it's you forget how light is used in film because light is natural in film, mm-hmm. and in animation it has to be deliberately put in there. And he makes the point of the fact that modern animation, you can put in light boxes that imitate natural light. Sure. But in Akira, all of that light was unnatural. You had to hand draw it. Hand drawn in. And you can see how it's used, and it's almost like that's what adds to some of the beauty of it. The fact that I didn't even notice that the light was being used in a natural way. Yeah. Because it was used so naturally that I didn't notice it. Yeah. Um, and he talks a lot about neon, and he talks about about the how the light is used tonally. But I thought, just for for a brief follow up, talking about how it's functionally used was an interesting thing. I have to give that a watch. Um, Sounds good. On, it, honestly, I, I would watch it, and like then I would just look at a couple of stills from Akira. Yeah. And then just see how it. In, it it's amazing. Your brain auto corrects it and says, "Ah, oh, it's just of course it's like that because it's." That's that's the way it would look. Yeah. Um, whereas it, it, instead, when you deconstruct it a little bit, your brain goes, "Oh my god! Oh my, they knew to do it like that. That's amazing." Rather than just using flat light, like you, you see in a lot of a lot of uh, animation. 
Sure. Which is uh, just incredible. Just incredible. Definitely would watch that. Um, I was planning on using this as a segue. I was going to use it as a segue as well. I was going to use it as a segue to slip into the anime cave just for a little bit. Oh, I have some anime caving to do. Shall we go to the anime? I've got my spelunking helmet on. (laughs) I'm ready to drop the rope down. Let's do it. Let's drop that big tentacle down and climb down it into that schoolgirl's skirt. Slip down into that anime thing. I want you to talk about your name. Have you heard about this? Well, it's an Irish name. It comes from... um... (laughs) (laughs) Sweet dad joke. Um, Your name. Um, It's an anime that's recently been released that I haven't seen yet. This is why it's a brief sojourn into the anime game. Um, It's really exciting. It's been hailed as like the new Miyazaki. The the, the new Studio Ghibli. It's been... Sorry, the studio? What? Your name? Are they like a studio? Or? No, no, your name is a film. Okay. It's just been released. Um, to the point that it's the only non Miyazaki film in Japan to earn more than 100 million at the box office. Oh, wow. Alright. Um, That's a lot of money. It's something like the fourth the, the fourth highest grossing in Japan. Okay. Um, like the third highest grossing anime of all time in, in the world. It's set. Uh, correct me if these figures are all terribly wrong, but I think they're roughly accurate. Um, it's got like a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it's just, just winning accolades all over the place. So it's a film? Yeah, it's a film. Um, I'm really excited to go see it. That's I just wanted to mention it. On the, on the off chance that you've, you've seen it? Not heard of it, but speaking of anime things that we're kind of excited about. Mm-hmm. I wasn't excited about it before until the trailer came out. Um, the Ghost in the Shell movie starring... Right. Starring my... Pride and joy, love of my life. I can't believe she's made it back on top. Scarlet Mop Hansen herself. They have to put a lot of makeup on her. She looks great. I mean, she looks. She look, She doesn't look like a mop anymore. She looks though. like her old self again. <laughs> yeah, she's back to. She's run back around. to back to a human being, uh, dressed like a robot that can maybe turn into a broom or a mop. Maybe that's how it happened. Maybe that's the, the origin, secret origin story of... Scarlet Mop Hansen. Yeah, uh, Marvel Netflix series uh, <laughs> Mop Hansen coming this winter. Catch it next time on Don't Go Outside Studio Industries. The Scarlet Mop Hansen origin story XXX, which is a sexy mop. Netflix gave us a million dollars and a, and a GoPro. <laughs> So we're going to see what go, go mad with it. Hey guys, welcome to Patrick Checks His Facebook Messages while Robin goes for a pee. Uh, oh, someone's written a blog. Oh, maybe I'll take this time to promote my blog. If you like this podcast and things that I talk about, uh, not the lame, dumb shit that Robin sometimes talks about... Log into patchjonotes.blogspot.com. It's a blog where I just write stuff about stuff that I like. Um, yeah, I'm trying to keep it going. It's a real cool thing, a fun thing to do just for me. Uh, it's nothing to do with the podcast, but if you know if you like this shit, you might like my shit. So check it out. Um, there's nothing in it for me. I don't get any money from it. I just uh, I just like to. 
spout my opinions, and you might like the opinions that I spout. So Robin's back now, so we're gonna get back into the swing of things. You're just plugging your own blog. Yeah, I was just plugging my own blog, Robin. I mean, it's not like you were here to stop me. Well, I say all kinds of shit. Anyway, so Ghost in the Shell, yeah? Looks good. We're back! Ghost in the Shell! Uh, yeah, it looks good. I'm excited. I was very cynical at first because, you know, just like, oh, they're doing a, a, a live-action remake of a famous anime film from 20 years ago. Ugh, mm. gross. <laughs> uh, but then you see the trailer and you're like, mm, maybe. Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> oh. um, uh, no, and it's got a cool little soundtrack. It has that, uh, is it... it that song, it's not the Smiths. Is it the Smiths? All I ever wanted, all I ever needed is here. Yeah, I think that might be the Smiths. Oh, it might be Joy We can fact check that one, though. We can fact check. Uh, yeah, so it's got a little like electronic version of that song, harkening back to the 80s when the film originally came out. Mm. It's going to be all like, it looks really cyberpunk and cool. Um, I'm into that. I think cyberpunk's going to become... It's going to see a lot of resurgence soon. Well, maybe just a surgence. Because mm. I don't think... I mean, maybe... I don't know if there was it ever kind of a, got a, a bit surge. of a thing to the late 80s. What, with Robocop? Yeah, Robocop and like... I suppose anime in general in the 80s. Yeah. They had Akira and... Was it cyberpunk or was that just um, sort of like... As like Neo Tokyo yeah. stuff. I don't know if that's... Sort of just genre. like... Um, Industrialized and corporate futurism. Mm. I don't know. Sounds like the title for an essay. <laughs> Industrialized and corporate futurism. By Robin Sheriff. Let's let's not get me going academic again. Okay. Um, shall we dive out the anime cave? We done here. Yeah, I'm done with this. Yeah, I'm I'm covered in tentacle juice. I'm covered in tentacle Every juice. Every time we come in here, like. It's too kawaii in it, here. It's it's really weird. Like it's so kawaii. It's all the demon schoolgirls that and the things that want to have sex. It's really. I mean, you think that I think the the hentai cage is 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 has been left open. Look, man, I don't go in. I mean, there. I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I, I'm not saying. I, I advocate to not, not have that. Fingers. Like, I'm not. I'm not saying anything. Look, man, but someone left the hentai cage open and it's it's spreading all over the anime. Look, look, okay. Unless unless you got a deal with. Segway mutant. Segway mutant. You're the only guy that uses it, all right? I, I, well, I don't use any of anything that's down here. I just feel, in order to preserve the way of life of the 21st century, I feel it was fair to have a little segment for maybe the 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 bit more seedy side of anime, just out of sheer impartiality. Like you see, mm-hmm. uh, Warner Brothers kept all those racist cartoons from the 30s, just. Because why deny what happened? In the I'm past? just I'm, look. I don't I don't disagree with that, but I'm just saying your intentions aren't pure. Like, because I've seen I've seen little little trips and drabs of the hentai cave in, in the sex vault. I've walked past them on my way to get a snack. <laughs> you're to get a snack from the hentai fridge. <laughs> <laughs> no, the pantry is just right down from it your. Is right, is right why did we? That, that was a really weird way to build the vault. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's. Nothing makes sense down here. It's Lovecraftian. It's true. It's the shifting corridors. The corridors are shifting. Cosmic horror. I have like fever dreams constantly. I think that's. I don't know if it's maybe a hentai cage or maybe there's some sort of ancient demigod down here. Could be anything. Right. Let's uh. Let's uh throw up a rope and get out of this cave. Um. We're free. We're free. I battled my way out of the anime cave in a mech suit. Um. 
Do you want to touch on disappointing space sim corner? Was that what you wanted to call it? Um, I think maybe just the possibly an observatory. The disappointing space sim observatory. Let's go there. Maybe the disappointing space observatory. Let's do it. Okay. Um, just briefly though. Right. Beep 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 you. Right. I'll find something. Um, I don't know. No Man's Sky just released an update. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. They've uh, come out of their own bunker. <laughs> Certainly. They went into hiding. They must have been in a bunker considering the amount of flight they took. Yeah. Um, and they addressed some of the issues. They brought out freighters, which were uh, apparently not in the game previously. And they brought out base building. Oh, base building. Thank goodness. I know. Jeez. Um, <laughs> I've not actually downloaded the update. Okay. Um, I've just seen there's been a hive of activity on the No Man's Sky subreddit, and I've seen a lot of stuff about it. Um, some people seem to be quite happy and almost placated by it. Yeah, I, I mean, imagine it's still a game that people play. Um, I mean... However, I'm not so much sold. Um, yeah. But I kind of I got my I got my mileage out of it. I'm fine. Yeah. Might go back in a couple of updates time and see if it's an entirely new game. But I just thought that was uh, something to note, a bit of follow up, because we did talk about No Man's Sky previously. It's like a follow up special. <laughs> We've done a lot of follow up. I'm gonna say something right now that might offend a lot of people. I know. Don't worry. It's nothing too bad. I just want to say that Dragon Age Origins. I think it's shit. Okay. I played it this week. I got it for uh, maybe a fiver. Yeah. Steam sales are a big part of my uh, past two weeks. I just went crazy. There was like a Black Friday thing going on. At, like end of November, crossed over with a Black Friday. Yeah. I got Dragon Age Origins. I got Mass Effect. I got Tomb Raider for like a total of like eight pound. All the gear. All the gear. I wanted to play Mass Effect again. I haven't got around to it yet. Because I wanted to talk about something new on the podcast. And I need some decent fantasy in my life. Just some decent, good old, just dragons, fight, fighting wizards, shooting bows and arrows, casting spells, uh, kings of the realm, all that shit that uh, Ronnie James Dio, rest in peace, sang about in his songs. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just heard Dragon Age Origins was very good. Uh, kind of precursor to... Um, to Mass Effect, you know, Bioware made it. Uh, they're kind of sort of RPG... Uh, people known for doing RPGs, essentially. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll give Dragon Age a go. Uh, sounds good. Uh, very straightforward uh, fantasy RPG. And it starts out being like, you can pick one of three races, like a dwarf, an elf, or a man. Not man, like a human. <laughs> dwarf, no women dwarf elf man or woman <laughs> I mean you, you could just have it in the biology of dwarfs and elves that they don't have genders some people say there are in fact no dwarf women and the dwarfs themselves pop out of the ground I mean that could be how they're bio- if you're making the fantasy you could ba- make it like that you can do that um, who were you quoting that was uh, Gimli, son of Gwyn, mm. in uh, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. He was uh, saying something to Eowyn. Uh, they were on their way to Helm's Deep, and he was trying to impress her. Mm. Uh, sort of just telling her funny stories about the dwarfs. What an impressive man he is. Uh, he's an impressive man. What a dwarf. Anyway, what a dwarf. Segue away. Sorry, get away, segue mutant. They're distracting me. Um... Just let me find where I was on this. Yeah, so anyways, I went to Dwarf. 
mm-hmm. because uh, I was like, yeah, I'll be a dwarf warrior. Why not? Just some basic. I want to bash some heads and decided I'll take a little twist. I'll be I'll be a bad guy because Bioware are very fond of making you just either be good or evil. So I'm going to be a bad dwarf, evil bastard, just go around just smashing heads and not giving two shits about a damn thing. Um, and, like, the weird thing is, like, right, so they have this really cool setup for the dwarfs where, like, you're in this little, like, kingdom under the ground. It's, like, cut off from everywhere else. This city is run with, like, a caste system. Yeah. So you've got, like, the kings and the lords at the top. Then you've got, like, commoners. And then you've got, like, scum of the earth, just, like, tramps and homeless people which your dwarf is one of. So I was like, man, I'm going to like be evil dwarf and I want to topple this regime if I can. I want to get right into the workings of this, of this storyline and just be like, no, because basically I just assumed it would be like, you're going to get the chance to overthrow the king and just turn the dwarf world on its head. Uh, So I was really excited for that. Played it for a good couple of hours. Um, And then um, that portion of the game, that starter section, like you leave that, really quickly basically you masquerade as like a high up dwarf you enter like a a gladiatorial competition like ha i tricked you i'm really scum of the earth uh a dwarf and i made you all think i was a i was a, a rich man and i killed all your rich people so what do you have to say about that and they pretty much say well you're exiled you can go with this uh this guy from the gray wardens who are protectors of who are protectors of the realm, which I wanted, but they're also here to uh, to protect us from an evil that is spreading through the land. And I was like, oh, here we go. This fantasy cliche number one sixty nine. There is a corruption spreading through the land. It's a plague. It's a corruption. It's the undead. It just spreads. It is turning people into skeletons, and everyone's very afraid. And all the all the land is ruined because there is an evil corruption yeah. spreading. So forget your revolution, dwarf. Come and fight the war against the corrupting evil. I was like, oh, I don't want to do that though. I kind of want. I'm sick of. I'm I'm sick of fantasy where it's like. An evil is spreading through this land. I have felt it for years to come. No one has believed me, but it is here now. And together we must fight to purge this wrongdoing evil. And my good will prevail. I was really looking forward to just like... Fucking shit up. Just fucking shit up. I just want a fantasy story where you can just... It's just gritty. There's no... You can just be a dude in a fantasy world. Just living your life. I've yet to see that. Uh, so I was just sort of disappointed in that fantasy, to be honest. I guess every and it gets really into sort of like you get a little group of people and you have to organize tactics for them. Mm-hmm. So you get like you know, you'll get yourself in a combat situation and then you have to pause the game and you have to be like, Okay, you go over here, you got bow, you stay back, you fire your arrows, right. you've got the big swords, you charge in, you take care of that guy. So you organize everyone accordingly, you unpause. Everyone just charges into battle. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you told them to do. Everyone's just going crazy. <laughs> uh, first first death. First, The first time all my party got wiped out, I was like, well, I'm not playing this anymore. Really? Like, when you die, it comes up and says, your story ends here. It's like, I guess it does. <laughs> I just uninstalled it. <laughs> I was like, this is stupid. That is so brilliant. Your story ends here. Yep. 
Right. Bye. <laughs> Fuck you. I was like, I was like two hours into it. And it was already like, okay, time for tactics. Time to organize all your dudes. Guess what? Your dudes don't um, know what the fuck they're doing. Actually, you know what, mate? Segway sidebar. Okay. Um, how good would that be if that's how we played all games? As just, that's how we played them. What? First death? First death, you, that's done. you're done. You're done. You don't play that game again. Well, I was considering that after playing Dragon Age Origins. Just because just cause my Steam backlog is so huge. Yeah. Might have a thing where just see how far I can get before dying. On like normal difficulty. It doesn't have to be anything too crazy. Mm-hmm. So, well, I guess this person's story ends here. The it's world just, doesn't get saved. I think that would just be an interesting thought experiment. I might, yeah. I might do it with a couple of games, but I mean, I, I realised there would be some game design issues if that was the case. And that's just how we did it all the time. What about how long would you last to well, it, make like mul- a Dark Souls it, game? Yeah, it'd make like Dark Souls or multiplayer games completely impossible. <laughs> um, but I just think that I, that would be very interesting. And then your story with that game is a th- is a thing that exists. Yeah, you know, it's not just it's not just transient. It's like you had a life in this game, and that exists. Yeah. Anyway, and I, and it was quite interesting as well because it was sort of like this is your first test. To become part of the Grey Warden, you're gonna go out and you're gonna find this uh, Magubaba MacGuffin right. to 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 uh, inject yourself with evil blood, uh, and you guys got to do it as well. So off you go as a four. Go on, and you're like, okay, I will prove myself to you, Master Wise Beauty Wizard. Right. Another cliche, by the oh, way. Jesus. I see much potential in you, young one. I've seen that you have told ev- pretty much everyone to fuck off and use the worst storyline, use the worst dialogue options possible. You're a real meanie. <laughs> but I know you will eventually be the hero. So off you go and prove yourself. Dies in like 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, back to the drawing board, I suppose. Um, you know, I think that's quite an interesting. Maybe the story is about the guy with the beard trying to find uh, a hero and he just never can. Yeah, that'd be really tragic. Well, I mean, there's something in there. Um, I've been playing the Stanley Parable. Oh, really? I like the Stanley yeah, Parable. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know. I know. This was like age old man, and it's everyone else has already done it. Yeah. Um, but it's I got it. It was like super cheap. It was like a pound or something. Yeah. So just like, oh yeah, I'll do that. I've heard it's good. It's very good. God, it's great, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, man, I like the Stanley oh, Parable. Oh, brilliant! Good time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know what... There's not much to say about it other than it's just... It's a game about game design. Yeah. That's uh, a, I mean, that's what it is. It's a game positioned to educate you about narrative design in games. Yeah, and it makes you just... Uh, yeah. I mean, that that's ostensibly what it is. Um, it's a it's a very funny lecture on how narrative design in game wor- games yeah. works. Um, but uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was really funny. Um, actually played this with... With my girlfriend. Oh, yeah? First game we've ever really played together. We played some multiplayer games and stuff, but it was really fun because we just had shots at doing decision-making. And it was just, just, just a good laugh. Sounds good. Um, I think playing walking simulators as a team is a good thing. Yeah, because then I suppose you get then, to experience the story together. Then there's some ones that you should really experience alone. Okay, I, I redact that statement. Okay. Um, if you want to play... Oh... Maybe that Tomb Raider extra content was maybe the was maybe a bit of a walking simulator a walking simula- in itself. Could be because it had that very sort of like not much is going on, but you learn a little bit about someone. We talk a lot about walking simulators. I think yeah. we both just really like them. Yeah, I like them. I mean, there's a lot of shit ones out there, but 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think that's the issue. Also, I've been playing a little bit of, but not much of. I, the Stanley Parable, obviously, I just played through until I got every ending. And then tried to do some silly stuff, and then I was done with I it. I don't think I got every it do- ending on the Stanley Parable. Um, it doesn't take very long. Because um, you, you do the ones logical, and then you wiki it, and then do that. <laughs> I see, you wikied it. Fucking goddamn right. You're a cheater. Mate, I have very limited time. <laughs> yeah, well, I... Yeah. I've got a lot of chores to do in this vault. That's true. There's um, a lot of there's a big list of things we need to do. So many things. We gotta find we gotta reseal the, the hentai cage. <laughs> that's gonna be an issue. I mean that's the best. Capturing that's the hentai my monsters. Oh my god. It's so rough. <laughs> I can gotta put get your beekeepers outfit just god. to stay <laughs> band safe. up your orifices. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, thank god I've been drinking all this wine. I can put a few corks up there just oh. <laughs> Um I've also been playing just a little bit, the Guild of Dungeoneering. Guild of Jun- that sounds familiar. Um, you probably heard of it. It got quite popular, but I played it recently because I think it's been ported to mobile and tablet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it popped up on something. I think it, it might have been someone saying, as lame as someone saying it on Facebook or whatever, but it popped up into my sphere of thought. Um, and I, So I downloaded it. It wasn't too expensive. Um, and it's... It's just a really good game. It's just really fun. It works well to play in little segments, which works well for mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the main sort of things about it, the main shtick of the game, is that you build the dungeon around the hero. Okay. So you're given like a like a grid with like rough points of where things go, um, like you would in Dungeons and Dragons, and then you have to build the dungeon around the hero to make to. You can't control the hero. Right. So you have to encourage the hero to do certain things that would be most beneficial for them. Okay. Um, so you have to try and tempt them over to fight monsters, tempt them to pick up gold, go through fancy fountains to get buffs, um, gear themselves up, that sort of thing. And it's sort of like a... It's based on like a deck of cards and you build up a deck of cards and then the more cards you have, the more you can... The more options you have to build the dungeon. Cool. So so your aim is to get the dungeon... To get the... Dungeon Explorer to the end? Yeah, well, you, you, yeah, you're supposed to get them through the end. You're not fighting against them. Right, okay. You're fighting with them. Sorry, I, I should have made that clear. Um, but it's like, you want to level up your Dungeoneers. You want to level up their guild base. So okay. it's sort of a bit of base building, a bit of RPG, a bit of card building, because you want to build a deck. The combat works as you're basically playing sets of cards. Mm-hmm. And the cards are the attributes which your Dungeoneer has. Um, but that I thought that was quite interesting and a quite fun mechanic quite yeah. quirky to say like the least really what I thought was I mean one really well optimised for mobile but also really funny Just I'm, I'm more and more becoming a big fan of just light hearted funny like funny narrative games Yeah. so it's got a narrator and it's got funny little folk songs over the top Cool. And it almost felt a lot like old Lionhead or Bullfrog games. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. like that sort of like it's funny, charming, funny, yeah. charming, satirical, like ostensibly British tone. Yeah. You know, um, like Blackadder-y, if you will. Wow, that's a big, big claim. Not Blackadder. Blackadder-y. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Blackadder-esque, you know? Massive segue. Telltale Games, next series. We have to put in a sound effect for Massive segue. Massive say just like the roof came in. <laughs> I have arrived. <laughs> just like, just like you know, doing like tire spins on a segue. <laughs> Massive segue. Yeah. 
Telltale Games next series, Blackadder. Can you imagine? What? No, I mean imagine. Oh. This is this concept of this. I'm pitching this to you. I thought you were just giving me this as news. Had I just made your heart stop? My you? heart stopped. <laughs> imagine that though. Holy, See how excited you were. Holy shit! Look at how excited Patrick, you were, Patrick, mate. <laughs> oh my god! I need. I need a moment. Yeah. I thought you. I thought you were genuinely telling me that was news. No, but like genuinely. I, but look how excited you were, though. That would just, be amazing. Just get the writers in. Do a Blackadder series. The whole the whole five episodes is like one situation that Blackadder is trying to get himself out of. Oh. You can set it in any period. Like it, it, they can pick a period of time to set it in. I don't care. Just so long as it's in the past at some point. Like it's and and the choices you make, you know, you got to quip your way out of this one. That would be and it would work so well. It would. Imagine that. I'm gonna email this episode to Telltale Games and the BBC, and be like, can we have a Telltale uh, series of Blackadder. We please. should definitely we'll, we'll tweet them, tweet the guys. Yeah, <laughs> and then they'll not answer us. I but... thought of your next million dollar project. You're gonna make a mint. Yeah. Oh, that would be so good, man. Yeah. Oh, uh, actually, they have announced their next series. It's gonna be a Guardians of the Galaxy. That'll be pretty fun. That'd be pretty cool. I'm up for but that. But to be honest, after after like literally a couple of minutes ago, I thought that the next one was a Blackadder one. <laughs> um, to hear that it's. Guardians of the Galaxy, my my most my favorite Marvel franchise. <laughs> Nothing. You're just like it's too obvious. Don't care. Fuck it. Don't care. I'm sorry to have done that to you. That was cruel. I should have been more clear. You know what? Just for that moment, thank you. That's all right. It just made you believe again. Oh wow! This summer, you will believe in life again <laughs> as Telltale Games reveals their newest series, Edmund Blackadder in Blackadder. Goes free to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I think it would be good though. So maybe it would be set. Uh, would it be in the past? Because they always talked about. Because my thing is, uh, Blackadder would always go forward in time. Yeah. But it would always be set in the past relative to where we are now. Yeah, I always thought like um, a Blackadder punk would be really fun. Apparently, they're um, alleged. They were going to do a fifth series where they were like in a band and it was in the 60s. Oh my god. That's, I heard this is a rare interview that I, I'm a massive Blackadder nerd, ladies and gentlemen. Man, see uh, if, uh, oh, can you imagine it? Right, okay. So here's here's the pitch. Okay. Um, Telltale Games, mm -hmm. with help from Peter Molyneux. I know, it's a funny guy, funny guy. Can I continue? Yeah, yeah, go on. Monty Python crew. Monty Python crew. Yeah, man. Okay. Blackadder, obviously. Yes. A team, whole team on board. So you got all of Monty Python, all of... <laughs> you got Ron Atkinson, you got uh, Tony Robinson, mm -hmm. you got Tim McInerney, Hugh Laurie, Stephen Fry, Fry of all people, and uh, what's the woman that played the Queen? Jennifer... No. Fuck, I feel really... I, I knew that. I know that one. It's in the back of my mind somewhere. Anyway, and... The soundtrack by Rival Sons. Rival Do, Sons? Yeah, Rival Sons doing some proper old-fashioned rock. Yeah? Oh, man. So that is your... So you would say Blackadder maybe in a band in the 70s, 60s? Well, now you're saying it. If that was their plan, yeah, I'm into that. They've probably got some preparatory writing done for it. Yeah, because I was... My thought for a next Blackadder series would be it's set during the Cold War. 
So it's like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy kind of thing. Mm. You know, because it's always been about like he's always been high up in the government. But that's that's too much of a follow up for me from Black Adder Goes Forth. But he's always been involved with like politics. He's been in the he was a prince. True. Then he was in the Queen's Court. Then he was a butler to to the Prince Regent. Then he was a uh, in the World War One. Man, we are spending far too much time on Blackadder, but I'm enjoying it. No, man, I, like I think we both realize that we both love Blackadder. Yeah. So like Cold War era Blackadder, you know, it's like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, like Blackadder. Maybe Blackadder is no Blackadder can't be a Russian spy. That's defies the purpose because he's always like in the center of like British. No, Flashheart would be the Russian spy. Flashheart's the Russian spy. Blackadder is always tempted to give away yeah. secrets to the, to the, no, no, to the USSR. Right. Because, He'll probably be doing it. Yeah, because he, he wants to make money. Yeah. Because that's his thing. He'd sell out his own mother for a stack of French porn and an amusing clock. <laughs> so, but but no, he never actually does anything that bad. No. He never does, but he could. It's like he has... The, got, he always alludes to it. But never actually does it. Hmm. Hmm. So it's, it would almost be like... He gets to the point, like he would have like a really sexual, like a really close sexual relationship, or almost because they never, he never like. Oh, because the because with the German spy in um in Black oh, yeah. Ghost Four, yeah, it, it happened. Fuck yeah, it did happen. <laughs> um, and it's the thing I always thought about Johnny English as well is that he was too much Mister Bean, yeah, and not enough like Blackheader. I imagine if it had been like if Johnny English had been like a Blackheader. Yeah, oh my god, those Johnny films Blackadder. would be different. Would have been much better. I mean, he was just Johnny Bean. He was. Rather than it was Johnny a, Blackadder. Was, I think Mr. Bean's a bit more palatable. A bit more sellable. Have you heard the Mr. Bean fan theory that he's an alien? Yeah, I'm pretty sure like everyone maybe came up with that independently when they were like... Because I've, I've, this is something me and my brother when we were like 10 were like, man, he comes from the sky at the start out of like beam of light. He's an alien trying to live life. Very astute of you. Yeah, have you never, like... Is this something you've stumbled upon on r slash Mr. Well, Bean? I hated, I hated Mr. Bean. Really? Just openly. Like, I am I'm, I'm, I realise that's a controversial opinion, but even when I was a kid, I was like, this is just annoying. I don't enjoy this. This, yeah. this is just, like... This makes me really, really annoyed. Also, because I, I saw... I think I saw Mr. Bean after I'd seen Blackadder. Oh. I think that's okay, okay. that. And so when I saw Mr. Bean, I remember just being annoyed <laughs> um, because it was just just rubbish physical humor. Sure. Like I didn't even think it was good physical humor. I mean, there's some good bits in there. Mm. I know I I was a big fan of Mr. Bean, but Blackadder is always my go-to Rowan Atkinson um, uh, material. Right. Well, that was a a big segue. Wasn't that was it? Uh, that was our trip to the Rowan Atkinson shrine, <laughs> the, the Rowan Atkinson crater. <laughs> it's just a shrine I've set up to uh, to Rowan. Uh, well, we could have yeah, fine. I'm I'm up for that Rowan Atkinson shrine. <laughs> um, um, shall we move on to main segment? Uh, yeah, we've spoken. The, I was going to talk about the new Metallica album, but I spent far too long talking about Blackadder. <laughs> Metallica can, can wait. They can wait. Metallica can wait till next oh. week. <laughs> now, announcing his royal highness, King 
Sledgehammer the 13th of the Wasteland United Nations. Hello, my royal subjects. It is a pleasure to be here on the Wasteland today on this day of the charity painted nail hand emoji tombola. I am very happy to be here and it is a pleasure for me and my mutant pig wife, the queen of the wasteland. That's okay, Queenie, I've got this speech. <laughs> to be here today, um, to offer my support and to aid the vault dwellers in any way they can. Please don't touch me, I'm much higher class than you. Thank you. That was His Royal Highness King Sledgehammer, the 13th of the Wasteland United Nations, everybody! Yay! <laughs> um, so, our topic of the week this week is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the Harry Potter film that wasn't. And oh, it was. What? Because it's not a Harry Potter film. But it is a Harry Potter film. It's set in the... Harry Potter Cinematic Universe. Right, Disney's oh. Marvel's Harry Potter Cinematic Universe. Um, so, just, I'll do rough outline. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is about a character who's alluded to in the previous Harry Potter films and books who wrote a book about, basically, animal anatomy of the magical animals. And he travelled all over the world, finding them, cataloguing them, basically improving the ideas within Wizards of Conservation and things like that. And this film follows his adventures in New York while he's there and the hijinks and the adventures and the romance and the tragedy that befalls him on this fated adventure. Did you say that's a fair assessment? I'd say that pretty much is the entire film. Yep. Uh, see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> what did you feel about it? As far as uh, the two wizard films of 2016 go, uh, Doctor Strange and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, or as I've written in my notes, FB plus WTFT. <laughs> wow. Yeah, guys, just you want to cut it down to initials. I just wrote Fanny Beasts. Fanny Beasts and Where to Find Them. Man, I think Fanny Beasts was in my class at school. <laughs> Fanny Beasts? That is totally the name for like a, some kind of hardcore... Like a dinner lady. <laughs> Fanny Beasts. <laughs> there's, your, there's your hash browns, you wee dick. All right, I've got one sausage. I've got no square sausage left. You can have it in a steel roll. <laughs> and it'll still have some of the oven grease on it. This is Fanny Beasts. Bakery. Dinner lady for the apocalypse. <laughs> you want some mutant rashers on that and some fagash. We've got no, none of that Mad Max's mad meat. We've got the happy shopper mad meat. <laughs> what, you get in. a sweetens off the floor. Where do you think you are? You think you're fucking the rats? Because you know, in the wasteland with Fanny. You want something saucy at that one? Okay. Uh, Fucking hell. <laughs> so another, I thought we had it nailed last week with the concise episode. But, oh my god, this has been a whirlwind. Uh, I was going to say, of the two wizard movies that came out this year, the first one being Doctor Strange, I'd say this tops it. I didn't even think of like a 
Doctor Strange comparison. That didn't even pop into my head. My brain works weirdly like that. Well, yeah, I mean, your brain works normally. It's two wizards. It's two wizards. They're both in New York. My my brain went, they're different films, so don't compare them. Don't, don't think about that. Think, yeah, but at some point, think, think about to compare films, that's how the Oscars come around. Oh. Let's, let's not even go into that segue. So we have an Oscar season. So what made you think it was... I mean, they were very fundamentally different films. They were very different films. I pretty much was like, well, they're both Wizards in New York, so, yeah. and they're both coming out in the same week and a half, so... True. Uh, just compare them, because why not? They're both massive franchise movies Yeah. about Wizards, so why not pit them against each other in a mm. battle for which I like the best? My thing, because this is what we talked about this off-air, I never liked Harry Potter. Me either. And this isn't because... I, I watched all of the films. Um, I listened to the books on audiobook. I don't like it. I don't like the narrative. I don't like the characters. And I don't like having to be forced to listen to this bullshit angst. However, what I stuck with it, and why I stuck with it, is because the world building is absolutely phenomenal. Agreed. Genuinely. Like, how wands work... How banks work, how goblins work, the fact that you've got like an elf slave race, like yeah, J.K. Rowling just she like, knows what she's talking and, about, and she'll build a thing, explain how it works, and then just like respect the reader enough to say, yeah, you know how that works now. It's incredible, um, and I, w- I I was wishing that there would be more lore focused stuff mm-hmm. and less narrative focused stuff. I want to know how like what why does a dementor like live off happiness? I want to know how a Dementor's biology works. And this is what this film did. <laughs> Perfectly. It's, it's like, just if you want a film that explains things about the wizard yeah. world, you, you got it. Like, that's all this film did. It was just like, do you want to know about mechanical lore? Here you go, mate. Just lore dump. Here you go. It was amazing. And it's like, oh, I, I, was, I was so happy about that. Yeah, so just, happy. Just... J.K. Rowling just setting a lot of things straight. Yeah, and that's that's what we before we watched it. That's both what both of us said. We both said, "Well, we're excited for that because this is what it might be." And well, then it was. Well, yeah, because that's as you said. Like, I don't care about the character of Harry Potter or his friends Hermione and Ron. Um, you know, Dumbledore's all right. He's got- oh yeah, that's because Dumbledore's basically like a, a sort of in situ narrator. It's yeah, weird. he's a, and then uh, there's other characters in the story which are pretty cool, which I feel that maybe makes up the essence of, of the story. People go back for their great characters. Anyway, I digress. I thought it was great. As I said, it was just a new story about a new guy in the same world, just world building, constant world building. No. Oh, I said I know. Yeah, so no, good, I thought so you good. said no. No, <laughs> no. Uh, I like Newt Scamander. Yep, he's a very fascinating young man. I like that. I really like that actor. I can't remember his name. Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. Did you ever see him in Danish Girl? No. He like weirdly. He always carries across a lot of these same attributes that I've seen him before, and it's like this weird sort of like. He has this weird. It's like body language. He's all quite shut in and. Yeah, it's it's like a weird sort of like flutteriness, like a butterfly trying to defend itself. It's well, weird. It's like a stick insect, or some kind of praying mantis. It definitely, there's something insect insectoid about him. Insectual. Insectual. <laughs> well, a lot of the ladies but would like, say he, you know. No, no, he's a good-looking man, and like clearly, like he's a very, he's a very confident individual. If oh. you ever watch the uh, video he does about defending Hufflepuff, which is hilarious, I very. Oh, is much he Hufflepuff? 
He's yeah, he's a Newt Scaramander's a Hufflepuff. I represent. I'm Hufflepuff. I know that. Okay, we're, we're fine. I'm glad you're proud of your house. Hey, we live by the kitchen in a common room that nobody's been in. Our house thing is a badger. Um, yeah, I did par more. Fuck you. <laughs> I did it too. Come on, how do you do? We've talked about this before. Yeah, well, tell the listeners, Robin, your dirty little secret. Why do they have to hear it? Because <laughs> I said I was a Hufflepuff and I'm proud of it. Of it. I am a Slytherin. Wait, no, Slytherins are cool, man. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. Like, doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad guy. Well, it means that like I have similar characteristics to racial supremacists. Well, are you? Is that wrong? Yes. <laughs> I like to think so. I don't think I'm a racial supremacist. No, no. I mean, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Just. I mean, at the end of the day, it's an online survey that just uses an algorithm to give you a little a little picture. And I'm sure the sorting hat works in a very similar way. Yeah, maybe the sorting... Oh, here we go again. Maybe the sorting hat is, is some is kind sentient of, AI. Is maybe sentient AI uses algorithms, takes in your personality, goes on your Facebook, looks at all the posts you've done in the last six years, been like, well, maybe you'll just go and slither in. Because that one time you posted about Nigel Farage... I don't and like this is my issue it's like sorry this is this is I feel this is a recommended segue because it's still about the Harry Potter universe yeah go on then so like I had really long discussions about this because like I've kind of given myself a complex about this whole Slytherin thing right um, really yeah, full on man because I did like four quizzes and they all said I was Slytherin and I like I'm kind of okay with it I mean, Slytherin kind of means what? That you're sort of like, yeah, like cunning you're, ambitious cunning, they say ambitious. they say lots of nice words but I feel they're trying to pass that off to make you feel okay with it <laughs> Right, but the point is your like, ambition is to kill all non. Well, the point is like, all, the reason that you are sorted in a specific specific house is because originally, when the houses were formed, by the various people um, who had all the second names of the houses, oh, yeah. um, it was because you would be they would be teaching you, so it was to put you with the person who could teach you best. Right, but then um, one of the main twists was the fact that. Um, Gryffindor and Slytherin were like best pals, but then they had this massive falling out because what Slytherin wanted to do was like cut down Hogwarts' um, acceptance and say like, no, we're only ex- going to accept pure blood fl- families. Fuck the mud bloods. Um, well, fuck- I mean, maybe he had budgetary issues. Maybe it, it was like, listen, we can't afford. It wasn't to a budgetary in- issue. It was the fact that he thought they were less powerful wizards. Whereas Gryffindor was like, nah, man, we should cast the nets wide, man. Bring them in. Get all the wizards in. So it's like the fact is that. These all of these characteristics are attached to someone who fundamentally believes in racial supremacy, and to be foisted in with a group of people who seem to th- think that—it's I mean, being like being in House Hitler, I suppose. If, yeah. It's basically yeah. I'm in wizard Nazi youth. Uh, how it's, do you think I feel? I'm in like House John Lennon, where we all go to the woods <laughs> and take mushrooms. And <laughs> what do you mean? Hufflepuff is literally the best house because you're like a, the Hufflepuff is a house of misfits. It's where, because Ravenclaw get all the super smart nerdos, yeah. right? Gryffindor get all the jocks and the brave people. All the losers. All the and nerds. Slytherin get the, the, the like, blackadders. Um, and Hufflepuff just get everyone else and you just have a great old Whee! laugh. <laughs> you have a, have a laugh, like, go out, you, yeah, have fun. Yeah. Like, travel the world like Newt Scaramander. Technically, I think it's Scamander. Scamander. Apologies. 
Um, but yeah, so that's been my pro- that my issue. All right. Um, okay. Which I'm I'm probably taking way out of context and far too seriously. Maybe take it a bit seriously for someone who doesn't like Harry Potter. Well, again, I like Harry Potter lore, and this well, is lore based. This is true. This is a lore based thing. This is a lore based thing. Anyway, should we hit, get back to the film? Uh, yes, please. Um... But yeah, basically, the lore focus of it was incredible. It was cool. I was I was really excited by that. There was also. In fact, you know what? I can kind of understand your comparison with Doctor Strange when you talk about cin- cinematography. Mm-hmm. They both had like these really mind-blowing cinematog- cinem- cinematographic <laughs> moments. Um, where in Doctor Strange, when you had those moments where like uh, the world would bend and then you go through all these psychedelic sequences, and um, Fantastic Beasts, you had that moment where it was like the pocket dimension, and you went in the case. Yeah. And then, like, new parts continued to keep opening up. And then it would, it was really good because it, like, kept your vision cut off. Sure. Um, and it never showed you more than what you were allowed to see until the end when it gave you the pan round and showed you everything. I just thought that was an absolutely brilliant scene. A bloody, no, tri- the, the, a bloody triumph. I like that. That scene was good because um, you just got this. Because, yeah, because you're like, oh, how does the case work? Has he just got lots of little dudes in his case that just because like you show you see the little mole, mm. little mole guy stealing gold. Yeah, so it almost it, I think that's done deliberately, which is why again I, I like this film because it's it it gives you lore in little ways to make you think things and then educates you otherwise. Yeah. So it makes you think like oh right his case when he clicks it over to like muggle muggle proof or something. Um, and I just don't know if muggles an okay thing to be saying. I don't know. I think I think it's a bad thing. It's not real, Robin. It's fine. But uh, I don't know. Hey, you're a muggle. You can say muggle, my, my muggle. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it leads you to believe that it's like, oh, it'll click it back to normal, and then it'll just be like a little case full of little tiny cages. You know, that's certainly what I thought. Yeah, that's first. what I thought. Yeah. Um, there was but, maybe like a snake in there. Yeah. Some kind of big snail. Uh, but then. <laughs> Later on in the film, and it, it, it tricks you. It's really good. It tricks you. You got you. You got you. So J.K. Rowling turned around in her seat in front of me and said, I got you. You thought it was going to be a thing. And I was like, I did, actually. It's very clever of you. Um, uh, yeah, I like how it kind of went into the into the background of the sort of wizard war that preceded yeah. um, Harry Potter. About uh, Mr. G- uh, Magoo, or whatever his name was, Gaga, G- uh, Rumpelstiltskin, Wizard Hitler, Wizard Hitler, yeah. some not even Wizard Hitler, like pre Wizard oh, Hitler. It has a really good name as well. Ah, uh, my more Gilgamesh, Gil Gilgamorler. Um, it's something because let's face it, a lot of the Harry Potter names are a bit silly. They're a bit nonsensey, but they're great. They are. I really like them. Gribble sticks. Gribble sticks. Um. <laughs> It was Joseph Goebbels. It was actually Johnny Depp. Uh, yeah. Who, who, who thought Johnny Depp was hiding under all that makeup? Johnny Depp can make a scary bastard, though. Uh, yes, he can. Just look at Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Or ask his wife. Or ask his whoa. <laughs> He's a bad man. He's a bad man. You, you gotta tell them. I saw some pictures of his penthouse apartment. Surprise, surprise. There's actually five penthouse apartments with the walls knocked through and he's just like, I'm going to have one giant one. Jesus Christ. He, saw, he was selling it like a few months ago. So gratuitous wealth and, and spousal beating. 
I mean, he. I mean, Cheers, he, Johnny. I mean, he tries to look like some weird bohemian uh, hobo, but in real life, he's he's got the money. But he's a villain in this. <laughs> yes. He's wearing a uh, Colin Firth makeup. I um. Yeah, Colin Firth was good in it. Yeah, I like Colin Firth. I'm, I'm sad that he's not going to be in the next one. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> like, oh, just, just Johnny Depp again. i got to go see another Johnny Depp movie. The one that I found very bizarre and off-putting, the thing, sorry, the thing that I found very bizarre and off-putting is the fact that a kid dies. A child dies, yes. And Several it, people die. It shrugged off really fast. Yeah. There's like a lot of death in this film. That whole element of the movie, the kind of dark puritanical side of it was uh, very cool I thought no it, I thought quite it was grown really up, cool but the way mature... it, I, the way it was shrugged off I found almost like heartless so like Sc- Scamander was supposed oh, yeah. to be he, he's supposed to be like oh god I love all humans I love no I love creatures he prefers creatures to people no but he loves life I think that's what I drew from it he was like he's awkward with people but he likes them he, he enjoys the the things that are around him but then like he and he wants to protect this kid and then he dies and then yeah it's fine we're, we're gonna move on to the next plot point because that's that's done and i, th- I thought i was really heartless man like uh, it really uh, jarred me i was like because that kid had a fucking shit life like think about it he's raised by an evangelical uh-huh. he's beaten probably worse yeah. If if anyone knows about like what evangelicals in the states do, like that's he's had a horrible horrible life, and then he's been containing this massive agony, and he's been told his whole life by this other guy, this this force for good in his eyes that he could be removed from this situation, he'll be fixed, but he just needs to do this thing, and if he can just do this thing, then then I'll fix it. I'll fix all of it. It's okay. Yeah. And then it doesn't get fixed. It doesn't get fixed. None of it gets fixed for him. He's fucked. That whole evangelical family are fucked. Yeah. All of them have a horrible, horrible time. And then he dies in a massive explosion of black void eldritch nightmare. Yeah, you do think they could have spent more time on just being like... Because he was really attached to the... uh, uh, Obscurum? Obscura. Obscura that was in his suitcase before. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, please don't hurt it. Please don't please hurt don't it. Please don't hurt it. I bonded with this child. It's actually a child's soul. Uh, and I really liked that kid. She was cool. And he was really upset with it. And then he wasn't, didn't seem that upset by, um, what was his name again? Constance? I can't remember. It was something, yeah, they had weird, like, uh, biblical names. <laughs> biblical names. Not even biblical, just like words. Um, I think the issue was, was, it was heartless on a narrative level, but yeah. then it was almost heartless on a just a mechanical level. Yeah, well, like, he's oh, dead. <laughs> you fulfilled your plot purpose. Bye. Yeah. And that I, I just thought that was really cold, you know. Yeah. Considering the whole whole fact of the the whole point of the most story of the film was focusing on him. Was focusing on him, and it was focusing on Scamander's like love for life, and then they just kill him off. That was really brutal. Mm. However, contrary point to that, what I thought was really nice and really human was they made the most alive and most compassionate character a muggle. Yeah, or a nomadge. A nomadge, as they say. 
Um, Which is weird because, like, you say nomads, that sounds stupid. But then yeah. you think muggle. That's also, <laughs> also really stupid. As I said, this series is filled with nonsense words. Um, I can't remember what his name was. The Baker guy. Baker guy. Um, but he was lovely and he was actually really funny and really comical. He was great. And I think he served the purpose of, um, in a movie level, being that fish out of water. Yeah. For the audience to be like, oh... This is what he's going to get told everything that we need to know. And he was a great character as well. You know, but he I actually... think he, he kind of like, I like how he owned the space in a really funny way. Yeah. Because it's like all these wizard people who have this amazing power and it's like he could just chat to them. It's cool, And right? it's like, even though we should really be looking at these amazing wizards who have these amazing powers that don't exist, we're still like, ah, oh, ah, oh, Baker Nomad over here. He has all the chat. I want to. I want to listen to this guy. Yeah, he's a cool guy, and it was. I, I I loved that. I thought that was very human. This is why I find it so jarring that they had that, and they also had the brutal killing of. Yeah, because they had a lot of an evangelical child where he was going to get obliviated. Yeah, and they were already sad about it, but like he's still alive. You can still go see him. Still be like give him the silver eggs to form his bakery and he got that long drawn out scene but the kid that got killed basically got an action scene and then no no sort of no payoff well no um, decompression afterwards yeah it was just like done on to the next thing yeah you know we gotta move on guys I mean I think they were all just reeling from the fact that it was Johnny Depp and not Colin Firth (laughs) oh god what are you doing here Johnny Depp Oh, I thought you were Colin Firth. He's like, they God. kicked me off the next Pirates of the Caribbean movie. I need money. <laughs> They're like, oh, okay. I got to pay for my divorce. All right, yeah, fine. I, my, I don't have a house anymore. No, it's fine. Just what are you doing here? Why are you the evil Hitler wizard? Um, I liked Newt Scamander. He's a good guy. I like him. Repping the Hufflepuff. Repping um, the Hufflepuff. Next time I go to Harry Potter World, I'm going to see a lot more Hufflepuffs. I'm going to be like, you go, guys. It's like, this much, again, my issue with the whole Slytherin thing is like, the company I'm going to have of Slytherins is going to be edgy teenagers yeah. who deliberately gamed the mechanics of the the quiz to give them Slytherin. That's not, yeah. I don't want that as company, man. I'd much rather be... Trolls. <laughs> internet trolls. Yeah. I'm in the house of internet trolls. It's alright, man. Just uh, keep your head down. Got your potions class, do well. well. Not all, you know. The only thing that I was considering was going to make me sane in this was actually maybe I should become the exemplary Slytherin. Yeah, just I be should the, drag the house out of the mud, you be know. Be the um, the exception to the rule. I should like I should uh, inspire them to be better. I should make Slytherin great again. Make Slytherin great again. Uh, you can join the Quidditch team. Uh, you can. Uh, uh, do all the fun things that uh, Gryffindors like to do. Do you get like head boys? No, cause you I, do get head. You get prefects. I think I could be like the Slytherin head boy of of Hogwarts, and that'd be fun. Although I'd be really old. <laughs> Probably not the head boy if you're Weird. still there at twenty-eight. <laughs> <I know>. Definitely. <laughs> You'll be there with the with the. Uh, with Walder Frey, the, the caretaker, <laughs> the caretaker. <laughs> with his mangy wee cat, like, nah, just be the exception to the rule. Yeah. Rise above it. Rise up, rise above the racism that's that's prevalent in my house. 
Yeah, it's just it's just foolish. They all grow out of it anyway. It's just pride. It's just useless pride in a thing that doesn't matter. Yeah, do and we it's... all know like what you do in school doesn't really have any bearing on real life. It's true. You know, well, like ten years after leaving Hogwarts, you're probably doing all kinds of different things. Um, but I mean, you know, psychological trauma uh, you get when you're in that age does last forever. I suppose there's a lot of trauma to be had in a school where you know death mon- is happening all the time. There's monsters <laughs> hanging around. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, man. What's, what? What? What must it be like to go to Hogwarts as opposed to just like good old Catholic school? Like, <laughs> I mean, where the only magic is Jesus <laughs> turning water to wine. Man, <sighs> that's getting too real. That was too real. This, this fucking podcast has been hashtag too real. Yeah, this has been a crazy wee podcast. I don't think it's going to be... I've been recording for what, like three hours? <laughs> Jesus, it's gonna a long cut time. It. It's only going to make maybe like a half hour it's podcast. It's just a, a lot of content that I didn't expect to come. I had like four things to talk about. I know. <laughs> just, and like, all of a sudden Blackadder came really out. really short. Yeah. Um, um, should we sum up? Yeah, uh, do you want to go outside for uh, FB and WTFT? Um, for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them? Yes. I would go outside. Yeah, I know, I'd go outside. I'd take a good step out into the wasteland, I'd grab it with both hands, and I'd pull it back down the vault. Yeah, I'd go outside for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I would go out there with my bottomless suitcase, and I would fill it with all the... Uh, mutant dogs and giant cockroaches and uh, cannibal uh, Mad Max creatures I could find. Yep, and the um, all the dragons and the kings and the fantasy elements that we're yet to implement into this podcast. Robin's really desperate to make this a fantasy podcast, but I won't let him. He's just he just wants apocalypse. I'm saving that for my Dungeons and Dragons podcast, <laughs> which I'm starting next year. With me, and just myself, it'll be me and several me well. several characters I play, all doing the same mission. Because <laughs> right. no one wants to play D and D with me. If you want to play Dungeons and Dragons with me, Patrick Connerty, hit me up on patchjonotes.blogspot.com, and you can find me talking about D and D every day, all day, twenty four seven Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> chat for Dungeons life. Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons forever. Dungeons and Dragons. Hundred years of Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. Dot com. Um, yeah, no, I, I think there should be fantasy elements in this. I mean, there was a dragon outside yesterday trying to get in, and I was like, nah, mate. This is a sci-fi only zone. Name's not on the list. <laughs> You're Fucking not no you, trainers, mate. Have the right shoes on. He was wearing fake Reeboks. I had to kick him out. Well, thank you for listening to this in- incredibly disparate pro- podcast. God bless think- you for making it through this podcast. <laughs> I think I think there's some interesting stuff in there. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I'm aware that that has been an absolute hurricane in a teacup, a car crash of a podcast. But if you tweet us at Dinigoyut with the hashtag I made it through, we'll send you a Painted nails emoji. It'll be like a medal. By 
By Twitter, probably. I mean, we could probably send it to your mobile number too, but I don't think you want to give us that. We'll tweet you back. We'll say thanks for making it through. We'll print some t-shirts. I survived episode seven. <laughs> I um, survived episode seven. Future merch. Yeah, uh, maybe that's the title for the podcast. I survived episode seven. Because <laughs> um, it was a good one. It was just it was just all over the place. Um, you can email us at dgopodcast.com at gmail.com and you can send us fantastic uh, mail like this one. Um, Robin. Patch. We got our first bit of fan mail. Fan mail. Fan mail! Uh, I would like to know, how did the fan mail get into the bunker without any postal service or internet signal? Well, at the end of every episode we give away our, our email address and somehow... Some way against all the all the odds, beating all the odds, uh, someone got through to us. I guess we'll have to make time travel a thing in the don't go outside lore. How? Well, because currently we're in the wasteland. There isn't any internet, so clearly there must be a time traveler who's heard this and then emailed us. Yeah, so I'm confused as you are, <laughs> and you're about to be more confused when you hear this piece of email correspondence from James Angelore. Uh, <clears throat> Dear Sir Stroke Madam, I hope you are good today. I am James Angelone. I was a formal financial advisor to later Libya president. He's a, you know, he's a high. We got a high. We got friends in high places, Robin. The president of Libya. Gaddafi. Well, the, to the later Libya president, he was a financial advisor to to, oh. to later Libya president. Right. Okay. So not Gaddafi. Well, it just says later. Okay. Uh, in 2010, should I do an accent? Is this offensive? <laughs> I think it might be. Okay, I'll start again. <laughs> no, I'll just keep going. Uh, in 2010, I made 10, $10.6 million US dollars out of the money he mapped out f- for war equipments. Okay. Uh, I legally placed these funds in international bank in the United Arab Emirates... But because of my illness and refugees' predicament in Syria and world in general, I want you to receive this fund and use it to establish a good company in your country or assist the poor. Mm. Uh, the bank is ready to transfer the fund when I present beneficiary. If you can partner with me in this transaction, I will compensate you with 40% of the fund share. If this is any kind of agreement that you would like us to have, let me know so that I can start working on it. I would like this transaction to be concluded as quick as possible. I look forward to read from you again. Thanks and best regards, James Angelone Jr. This is a legit email we got to the the podcast. It's it was in our email inbox. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's what amazing. You, should we should we get back to him? 100%. I thought I thought you were doing a bit at the start there. No. It's there. I screenshotted it. That's legit, man. So shout, shout out to James Angelone. I hope you're doing all right in in Syria and world situation, wow. or whatever you said. We'll definitely, uh, we'll world definitely speak to you, mate. Yeah, um, get him on the podcast. Get him on the podcast. Uh, so our that's, first bit of fan mail. That's what we're gonna do. What? We're gonna say yes. We're more than happy to go into business with you, but bef- before we can get in, into business with you, we need to interview you on the podcast. <laughs> get you on the podcast. Yeah, okay. man. We'll need to get. We'll do a Skype with him on the podcast. He provides a phone number. Does he, he has a phone well, number. Well, PH forward slash 1-248-946-0327. We should definitely call it. Okay, let's go into the inbox. 
<laughs> a new segment calling dubious phone numbers <laughs> maybe getting hacked yeah this could be the last episode of uh, don't go outside um turning into a proper wee segment though i like this yeah i like this uh i can't someone robin sheriff robin sheriff james angelore well the thing is right his name changes from the outset his name is james angelore but he introduces himself as james angelone it's inconsistent i gotta call him <laughs> okay let's do it it's prank phone call I don't think it's this is gonna work. The number you have called is not recognised. Oh. oh well if you are listening, James Angelone. Um Give us a real phone number. Give us give us a, another email back. I might reply to it. I think you definitely should. Uh okay, I'll I'll get back to that. Uh reports in later. Uh, back to the podcast. Um yeah, um or I mean just send us erotic fan art. We'd like that too. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. You, well, send it to Robin. I would enjoy it. <laughs> put it in the anime cave. Yeah, put it in the hentai cage. we got to go fix the hentai cage, guys. So, uh, um, as always, uh, don't go outside. No, don't go outside. There are fantastic beasts, and you will find them. Straight off the bat. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Done. <laughs> how, how is everything else a mess? No, I'm desperate. <laughs> desperate to finish. Oh, man.